Our sermon passage for this morning is Luke 24, 44 to 49. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law and Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father, we pray this morning you would allow us to catch a true glimpse of your purpose and what you want to do in us and in this world. Help us as we look into your word, see your purpose, what you're calling us to as a church. I pray in Jesus' name, pray through the power of his spirit, amen. Yeah. Good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Ben Morrow. I'm a member here at Redeemer, and I'm happy to be with you this morning. Um, honestly, I think I could have just sat and listened to Ern talk a little more. I've, I have my druthers, but I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing um, and has done, as Jamie already mentioned, through our church and through um, his people in the world. I always, always love hearing um, missionary stories like this. And to be able to connect that to our own church is a blessing. It's, it's a blessing to hear that. Um, we've already heard enough gospel this morning just through her testimony to save the world. I don't know if you realize that or not, but the way she proclaimed Christ was a blessing to me. I want to talk to you this morning about the theme, a life of purpose. A life of purpose. So if you haven't already, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and our text, as Stephen has read to you, um, is verses 44 through 49. Let's say you are leaving for a while. You're going on an extended trip. You know you're not going to see your loved ones for a very long time. What would your parting words sound like? Think about it. If we typically, if we're going to go away for a while, and you know you're not going to see someone, you probably, your last words of goodbye are words of meaning. You want, there's something from, it comes from your heart. It's where you are. Um, you want to leave words that are meaningful and lasting. You would prioritize, wouldn't you? You've only got a short amount of time. You're probably not going to talk about so many trivial things. Think about your favorite book, your favorite TV show, your favorite movie, something like that. Something that may have impacted you emotionally. Quite often in, in a movie or a book like that, you will see um, a, a powerful last scene or a powerful string of dialogue that impacted you. Um, it's not just something trivial, but something impactful. So I guess what I'm saying is when I, when I think about people People on their deathbeds don't spend their last words talking about their favorite video game or their favorite brand of potato chips, right? They prioritize. It starts coming into focus. People who, want, who are leaving want to leave 
lasting words. Jesus is leaving. In this passage, Jesus is getting ready to go. He has spent His precious time on this earth with this band of disciples. He has taught them. He has lived His life in front of them. He has done the work of Messiah in front of them. And now it's time to go. And as He leaves, He doesn't talk about trivial things. He prioritizes. What's the lasting thing that He wants to leave them? When Christ left, He didn't spend His time talking about, now when I go, here's how to have a deeper personal walk with me. That's important, but that's not what He left them with. He didn't talk about their personal life goals and how to achieve them now that He's leaving. He certainly didn't talk to them about how they could live life as if every day is a Friday or how they could have their best life now. That's not what He left them with, was it? What He said to them was, I came so that you and many, many others can know God. Now get ready. You're about to go tell everybody in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and throughout the far reaches of the earth about the single greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Me. You are about to go be my witnesses. Jesus came in order to reveal who God is and to bring sinners back to God. And if you only get one takeaway from the message this morning, I hope it's this, that a life of missions is a life living out God's purpose for this age to reconcile people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And I think this passage in the book of Luke naturally gives us three points to look at. Number one, in verses 44 through 45, we'll look at God's purpose in Revelation. Verses 45 through 46, we'll look at God's purpose in Christ's suffering. And finally, 47 through 49, we'll look at God's purpose of spirit-powered witness. Spirit-empowered witness. Last week, as Pastor Jamie introduced this series, Redeemer on Mission, he told us that he wanted to make one thing very clear. Do you remember what that was? It's only been a week. <laughs> he said, I'm going to quote him. He said, this church was never the goal. Does that ring any bells? you remember that? He said, this church was never the goal. He was talking about in context of when we planted here. When Redeemer was planted in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He said from the beginning, this church was never the goal. And he said, and us being in this room on this day was never the goal. He said, the goal was to see God's mission of taking the gospel to those who were far off so that they might be brought near. The goal was to see that mission advanced and for us to have a place in that mission. End quote. So the goal from the beginning was not so that we could look around today and say, hey, look how, look how successful we are. Look at, look at how things are going. We're having a great time. 
as a group of people. It never was the goal. I want to echo that statement and clearly state that God has one specific goal in mind for His church. One goal. One purpose. If you don't mind, I'd like to belabor this just for a minute by giving you one more quote. This is from another pastor in another place. His name's John MacArthur. The reason I choose MacArthur on purpose, I want to quote somebody who specifically focuses on things like um, digging deep into doctrine, uh, personal holiness, integrity. He values these things. So remember, that's who's speaking here, okay? A, a man who, who pushes for personal holiness and deep doctrine. But listen to what MacArthur said about the one goal of the church. MacArthur said, quote, We get caught up in good things like learning, teaching, doctrine. We get caught up in good things like worship, singing, and praising God. We get caught up in good things like fellowship, sharing our lives together, enriching one another, administering our gifts to each other, comforting and encouraging one another, prayer, Christian service of all kinds, as well as holiness in our own lives. All of these things are commanded of us in Scripture, but none of them is the goal. All of them are simply means to the goal. The goal is to proclaim the Gospel. Your personal spiritual growth is never the end. It is not the goal. It is not the objective. The goal is to proclaim the gospel. End quote. I'm, I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing here. I believe He is at work in this church. I love this church, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how He's adding to it, how He is working through it. But we have to go beyond what is comfortable. We have to be brought back to what our goal is. So this, this time that we're spending, this series that we're going through, this, this um, Redeemer on mission, it's not just a four or five week gimmick to throw on the calendar. We're remembering that this is what God has called us to. It's why we are here. So when we talk about our purpose this morning, we're talking about why we are here in the first place. And this was Luke's purpose in his writings. This is why Luke wrote. So Luke wrote two books in the New Testament. We've got the Gospel according to Luke, and then we have the Acts of the Apostles, right? He wrote to a man named Theophilus. I don't know why, as a mom, you would name your kid Theophilus, but he named, she named her kid Theophilus. You, some woman somewhere looked at a baby and said, that's Theophilus' baby I've ever seen. So he's Theophilus. I don't know, maybe, you're, maybe his dad named him, I don't know. In any case, Luke writes two books to a guy named Theophilus. And his purpose was to describe the coming of Christ and why he came. He is, his narrative, he, he says, I intend to give you, Theophilus, an orderly eyewitness account of the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, of Jesus Christ. And in the book of Acts, he continues that in part two, where he 
picks up a Theophilus where Jesus ascends to the Father and the church receives the Holy Spirit and then they're sent out. So we have the age of the apostles began and, and the, the beginnings of the New Testament church. In our passage this morning, at the end of the book of Luke, Jesus gives God's purpose in three areas. In revealing Himself, in sending Christ to be the suffering servant, and in His intent to draw people to Himself from every corner of the earth. So let's look first at God's purpose of revelation. God's purpose of revelation. Look at verse 44 of Luke 24. And He said to them, These are My words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. So Jesus immediately begins to reveal himself by using the Scriptures, the Old Testament, to reveal himself. This was God's purpose all along. He wanted to reveal himself to people who did not know him. You might remember that the name Emmanuel It's one of the names given to Christ. It means God with us. God making Himself known to us. This was God's intention from creation, from the beginning. He created Adam to walk with Him in the cool of the day. When Adam sinned and broke off that fellowship, God promised the coming of a Redeemer in order to restore that relationship that man's sin had broken. Jesus tells His disciples, look, I've told you many times that this was all about Me. The book of Genesis was about Me. The creation of the world and the restoration from its curse. The fall in the garden and the promise of that seed who would crush the head of the serpent. The salvation of Noah. And his his safety from the greatest storm the world has ever seen. The call of Abraham and the promised blessing of all nations. The faithful provision of Isaac's substitute ram. The revelation of God to Jacob the night he wrestled with him. The book of Exodus pointed to me. The Passover was about me. I'm that Passover lamb. The law pointed to me. The commandments showed you my character. The tabernacle showed my desire to meet with you. The high priest and the sacrifices pointed to my work of cleansing your sin. The manna showed my provision for you. The serpent on the bronze pole pictured me being lifted up for you. The pillar of cloud and fire showed my presence and my guidance. The miraculous victories that I won for you proved that I was your victor, your protector. The Psalms, they were sung about me and to me. The wisdom writings, they were about me. Solomon wrote his love song depicting, his, depicting God's overflowing love for his bride. And the prophets pointed to Christ. The Old Testament pointed to God's purpose that Christ would come and suffer. Look at verse 45 of Luke 24. And we'll see God's purpose of Christ's suffering. Verse 45, Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, 
Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. God's revelation is ultimately about, is ultimately given in the coming of Jesus Christ to suffer in the place of sinners so we might have a way back to God. This is where we find our hope. Jesus Christ died on a cross. He rose from the dead so that I could have that relationship restored with Him. So that I could be forgiven, be made clean, and allows me to know my Creator and find everlasting life. But it's not just me. That's for you as well. And by the way, that's not just for us. It's for the world. He did this for the sins of the world. The Old Testament pointed to God's purpose of Christ's suffering. If you read on a little further in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, you find a man named Philip who comes across an Ethiopian who is in a chariot trying to understand the writings of Isaiah. Isaiah, 740 years before Christ was born, wrote what may be the most descriptive chapter regarding Christ's, Christ's death on the cross and what He accomplished there. And this Ethiopian is trying to understand what this means. He even asks the question, is this about the writer? Who is this about? And Philip gets to take the Old Testament and share the Gospel with him. That Ethiopian, that, that Gentile, that one who was originally not part of the people has been brought in. It's just a precursor to what God wanted to do in this world and what he was doing there in the book of Acts. He used the Old Testament. He used Isaiah 53. It's one of my favorite chapters. If you don't mind, I want to read it for you. Isaiah 53 depicting what Christ accomplished for me, for you, for that Ethiopian, for the Thai people. For everyone. Isaiah wrote, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised and we did not esteem Him. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. 
Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This Ethiopian man stumbled upon something life-changing. Something written in antiquity that's timeless. God was opening up who He was and what He had done through Christ to the Gentiles. And it is what He has determined to do until the end of this age. His purpose was always to reveal Himself through His Son. His purpose was that Christ would suffer for sin in our place to die for us and as us. But this goes even further because God intends to reconcile people from all over the globe, from the far reaches of the earth, from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And for some reason that I don't really understand, He wants to use you and He wants to use me to do it. He wants us, through His power, not ours, to be a witness to the world of the miracle that we received when He tore the chains of slavery for us and set us free. So let's briefly look at God's purpose of a Spirit-filled witness. Verse 47, And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So he doesn't just send them out on their own and say, I'm out of here, do the best you can, figure it out, does he? He says, go to the city and wait, because I'm coming back, my Spirit's coming. He didn't send them out on their own. Remember, his promise was, I will never, never desert you, I will never, never, never forsake you. We just sang about that. He said, you will not be left as orphans. My Spirit's going to come to you. This isn't ours to try to figure out on our own as best we can. Jesus said to His disciples, wait for me. Pray for me to come near. Let me empower you. Let me give you boldness. Let me open doors for you. Let me open the ears of those who will hear your witness. And when I do, the gates of hell will not stop my church. I will be made known throughout the earth until the end of time when I establish my kingdom completely and finally through and through. In our community group this week, one of the men said one of the first things we observe about the disciples in the book of Acts is their readiness just to run and tell what they had experienced. This wasn't 
This wasn't a legalistic thing they were supposed to be doing. This was something they had experienced for themselves. It was something that was all-consuming. This defined them. This defined their lives. They had met the risen Christ, and He had a purpose for them, and it defined who they were. He wasn't a piece of their life. He was their life. Jesus said to His disciples, go and wait. I'm going to send My Spirit. And when I do, I'll brand a fiery boldness on your heart where there was once only fear. I'll use a cowardly group of disciples who are huddled in an upper room waiting for death to step out on the rooftop and proclaim the gospel until the world's turned upside down. That's how the book of Acts describes them. When the Spirit came. You'll be my witnesses. And in my name, you'll cast out demons. You'll preach the gospel in languages you've never studied. You'll be protected from serpents and from poisons. You'll intercede for the sick and watch as I heal them. Because I go to my Father and all authority has been given to me. It's been put under my feet. And I send you out in that authority by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm establishing my church. This is God's purpose in the world. This is His one goal. This is His intention. And we can't think of God's goals in terms of the way we would define goals. Like, here's what I'd like to do, and I'm going to do my best to try to get there. This is God. He's going to do it. And He's determined to use us in a pur- with a purpose and with a plan that is so much bigger than us, but He allows us in. God's purpose becomes our purpose. His life becomes our life. His passion becomes our passion. His heart becomes our heart. His suffering becomes our suffering. His love, our love. When God acts, when God moves, we find our purpose. God purposed to use His church through the power of His Spirit to take the good news of Christ to every part of the globe, and He's going to do it. He's going to win. He's going to win. Every time my soul is cast down at what I see around me, or what I see in my immediate circumstances, this is the thing I keep coming back to. This is what gives me hope. Jesus is going to win. No question. And by the way, He's going to let me win with Him. And you, and everybody He brings into the kingdom. What does He want from us? He wants our heart to be His. He wants our passion to be His. He wants us to, as, as Jamie put it earlier, we're, we suburbanites get so caught up in our routine and in our day-to-day issues and going from one slice of the pie to the next that is our lives and forgetting we have been given a singular purpose as God's people. Proclaiming Christ, making disciples, are, this is not just a slogan. This is not just something to stick in our heads for us to remember. This is the reason we are here. This is why we met this morning. This is why God put us together. This is why God planted Redeemer Church in this place. To to edify us? Yes. So that we could have friends? Sure. So that we could worship together? Absolutely. Is that the end goal? Absolutely not. He wants to use us. He wants to use us in this community, and He wants to use us all the way to the far reaches of the earth, even to a place like Thailand. He wants to use us for His glory. This is not 
just empty platitudes. This is very real. This is where we are. Tonight, we have a missions fair here at this church, 6 o'clock tonight. If you can come, I would, I would ask you to please come. This is going to be an opportunity for us to think about, talk about, look into, to pray through some very specific ways that we believe God wants to use Redeemer Church in this community and forward all the way through, through the, throughout the earth. In the meantime, my encouragement to us is very simple. Let's endeavor to live out the reason why we are here. Let's live out God's purpose for us. Let's live a life that burns with His heart instead of all these other little things. God's purpose to reveal Himself to us and to the world through Christ by His Spirit as He reconciles sinners from every tongue, tribe, nation, and people. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the great love you have for us. That you see us and know us. You know our need. You see us right where we are. To know that you sent your son, your beloved son, to suffer for us. Thank you for not leaving us in the dark and in our sins ignorant of who you are and what you've done and what life we could find, but thank you that you've given us life through your Son. Thank you for sending your Son to suffer for us. Thank you that he's alive, reigns in power, loves us and intercedes for us. Thank you for determining to send your great light to the whole world, to the far reaches of the world, even to the West people like us here. We pray that we would endeavor to live our lives, tell everyone we can about the great hope we have in your Son.